Hello and welcome to Tech Crack, the podcast series brought to you by Sync NI. We are Northern Ireland's leading technology and business media company, and this podcast series will see us interview some of the best, brightest, and most influential thought leaders from across NI's business and tech sectors. Find out more on SyncNI.com or follow us across our social media channels. And enjoy. This week, I spoke with Carol Rossborough, co-founder of Esther, which is a pocket-to-pocket giving app that allows donors to directly fund people in need. We discuss how Esther is giving financial support to those in need during COVID-19, and as it is Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK, how community support during such troubling times is vital for people's well-being. The way Esther is described is a pocket-to-pocket giving donation app. Do you want to even just explain exactly what that is and how the idea for Esther actually came about? It's really simple and how the idea came about is really simple as well. So what we do at Esther is, uh, yes, peer-to-peer giving. Um, We allow someone in need to be connected anonymously with someone who wants to help. So, um, and it really is that simple. What the donor is able to do is to give donations directly to someone in poverty within their own city. So the two questions we often get asked are, okay, so how do you identify and qualify somebody who's in need? And that's where we work with a range of charity partners around Belfast, you know, from food banks to um, community organizations who are really involved in the nitty gritty day to day of people in the fringes and the nooks and crannies of society. So they know who's in need in in communities and and what areas are most deprived. And what they do for us is they say, look, we have about 50 people in this area or, you know, people in in, in this this particular sector who are in need. It could be young mothers or, you know, homeless rough sleepers or destitute asylum seekers. Um, And they register them onto the Esther platform. So we create a program, we register them and... Um, it's an anonymous profile and then uh, our donors are able to give directly to people within their own communities. Um, so how the solution works is that we, uh, we provide the people in need with an Esther prepaid MasterCard. So we register them, they get a, um, a MasterCard and um, then we are working on sort of £200 a month um, Give or, give or take from different programs, but mostly it's about £200 a month um, for basic needs. And this could be for uh, shelter accommodation, or it can be for groceries or utility bills, or for a young family, maybe even just school shoes and uniforms and things like that. But the clever fintech part of this is that we're able to switch off high-risk merchants. So we can switch off off-licenses, gambling, casinos, um, high-risk online purchases, um, but also leave open... Um, the vast majority of purchasing options for people in need. So that just means that a young mum who, um, you know, is finding it difficult to make ends meet, she can buy a trampoline for her kids for out the back garden during lockdown because the kids are bouncing off the walls or, you know, some some, uh, slides or paddling pools or whatever, um, or clothes or whatever else she needs, basic groceries and things like that, and, you know, her heating bill um, or even car payments. But what she can't do is go to, um, you know, a, a, you know, an online gambling site or a casino or whatever else, or you know, purchase alcohol. So it just means that those donations are really safeguarded to the best of our ability um, for the recipient. And so that's kind of how it works. Um, it's peer-to-peer giving. As a donor, you can log on. Um, and you can support uh, either a young family, and a, you know we were calling it the Empowering Mothers Program. Um, 
And these are families that are really struggling during COVID to make ends meet. You know, a lot of these guys would have been working at different jobs in the community that potentially would have been cash in hand, like childminding or, um, you know, even cleaning jobs and things like that. And they're, you know, they're losing out on that income. And as well as that, the kids would have been getting hot school meals, maybe even breakfast club and maybe even, you know, after schools clubs. So they would have been getting snacks and meals. And all of a sudden that's on this family as well. So they really are struggling and your donation uh, can go directly into the hands of a, of a family within our own city. Um, you know, and it's, it's really dignified. It's really empowering for the, the family or the, or the destitute asylum seeker to get to choose how they spend the donation, you know. Um, so that's it in a nutshell, Nave. I mean, that's a bit of a ramble, but um, peer-to-peer giving, very direct. Uh, very protected donation and very dignified and empowering for the people on the receiving end. That's the best. And I'm sure you've had to, I know you've had to ramble that off to me before for articles and videos. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's um, how did, how did you come up? Cause it's you and Elish, uh, Elish McCall is your co-founder. Yeah. How did you actually come up with the idea? You know, what sparked that in your head or what were you doing beforehand? Well, I was working in tech. I've been working in tech, probably marketing technology since I graduated. Um, and so I've always been in startups. You know, I've worked for four previous startups and sort of seen the cut and thrust of business um, and work with various different CEOs. So I kind of got a sense of, you know, what it would take to run a business. And I have always been obsessed with emerging tech. So um, you know, I love cryptocurrency, I love blockchain, um, you know, I love machine learning and AI. And I think what I really enjoy doing is kind of reimagining what the world could look like if we got to design it ourselves. And I would encourage everyone to do this with all the different sectors out there. Just think about what tech is coming up and then think about if money were no option and if it would just work and, you know, your business was going to be successful, always think that way what would you do? Like, how would you want the world to be? And whether it's changing education or whether it's, um, you know, creating a different type of concrete. I mean, there's a great startup on the Propel program who are creating a new type of concrete out of, you know, rubbish. You know, they're taking waste and creating building materials because that's how they want the world to be. And I think, um, that's what I love to do is just sit back. I'm a bit of a daydreamer. I love to sit in a coffee shop for about two hours and just stare into the corner of the room and no you know why not and I think that's where it all started is I'm just going to sit here and think about what what could we do with emerging tech in terms of making the charity space much more efficient um because the problems that I was seeing were um you know mainly my generation you know I'm I I still call myself a millennial I've just turned 36 I'm just hanging in there um but you know (laughs) hanging in there (laughs) but I just get the sense that our generation wants something more from the charity space. You know, we want connection. We want um, immediate impact. We want to know who we're helping. Um, we want to be like hyper local in our efforts about what's, you know, where is our donation going? How is it helping? And so that kind of sparked this idea that we could use blockchain to underpin donations. Um, and it ended up that we really didn't need to go that far, you know, into the technology to start this initiative um i think we've got blockchain written into our our product roadmap for year three when we get to enough scale that we want you know that extra level of transparency but to really get an initiative a grassroots initiative started we didn't even need technology you know we put a video out on linkedin um 
Elish and I decided we would pilot this with zero tech and we just stuck a video out and said, look, we're going to give people money um, and then we're going to measure how it impacts their mental health. Uh, and then we're going to see if there's a market for this and if people want to donate that way, if charities want to work with this and if this really improves the lives of people in poverty in our city. So we started a pilot with no technology. Um, we had 100 people sign up to donate just through LinkedIn, I think within three weeks. And we ran a pilot. And I think it was after that that we applied for some grants and, and we started this. And then Elish and I both left our jobs. Like, uh, you know, it's like, it's, it feels a little bit like jumping off a cliff. You know, you just kind of, you got you to gotta believe that you're going to land somewhere good. <laughs> but, but that's how it started. It started with, with dreaming and being curious and thinking about tech and thinking about industries and how the world is going to be. Uh, and then thinking, well, why don't we shape the future how we want it to be? Um, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to take entire industries and, and imagine what they could be and how we want them to be. So that's how it started. And um, we launched a live product just before Christmas last year. We've done various pilots, but we kind of went, you know, uh, launched the live MVP in uh, just November 2019. So we're rocking and rolling. It's been great fun. It's such, like what you say, it's such a risk sort of like having to quit your job and take that leap of faith. But it must be so rewarding whenever you have this idea in your head and then it actually because, like, comes to fruition, like becomes reality. It must be so, and because it's something, it's tech for good as well, because that's one thing. And um, like I've talked about this on, on different podcast episodes, but like obviously like, you know, yourself, Carol, um, women are quite underrepresented in the tech sector, especially yeah. in the UK and Northern Ireland. But I think it's fair to say women tend to, we're more associated with being the more empathetic. Of yeah. <laughs> but this is such a, you know, a definite, like a complete definition of that, you know, you're tech for good and you're helping people and mm -hmm. you're sort of, that comes across as well, because I know um, you'll obviously explain it better than I will, but Esther actually has quite feminist undertones, the actual name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the name, I mean, the, the name Esther, you know, is kind of derived from Easter, the goddess of fertility. Um, and, you know, the name is really rooted in female empowerment, the word estrogen, you know, as well. You, you have these, um, these great links with the name Esther and there's some great history behind that name. And I think when Elish and I started, um, one of the key beliefs that we had was that when you give women money, they change their families, which changes communities, which changes entire nations. And that's research that is really, um, you know, well established within the UN research where they've done a lot of um, work on what happens when you empower females uh, with finances. And, and that's been like a real driving force for us as well is that, you know, we believe that women who raise children, they're raising the future of countries, they're raising the future of the world, and actually they should be incredibly valued, and they should have enough money to um, not only just survive, but to, but to thrive, to feed their kids better. Um, you know, and research shows this, that when you give women money, their husbands eat better, you know, they get better nutrition, um, the kids get better nutrition, the household is happier, um, and they, they change their communities. And so this is kind of something that we're very passionate about is that women raising children should be valued in society and, and should have more money. And I think what we're saying is that as the future of work and automation happens, and tech disrupts more and more, which is gonna accelerate in the next 10 to 20 years, we're going to see 
um, this wealth divide get bigger. And what we don't want to happen is that women who decide maybe not to go and work outside the home get lost in this, you know, that their value is diminished. Um, if a woman decides to work outside the home, that's fantastic. And she can be an entrepreneur and she can be a CEO, she can be whatever she wants. But if she decides to stay in the home, um, her value doesn't go down. And actually the work that she does shouldn't be any less valuable than running a business. And, and so we see in the future the need for wealth redistribution um, to kind of value women who make the choice to create a home and to raise children. And so we're just, we're really passionate about um, female empowerment, yes. Um, seeing women who raise children really valued, you know, now and in the future. Um, but we also, you know, we're, we're not completely biased in that way. Like we do have men on the platform as well. So, um, you know, a lot of our rough sleepers and a lot of our destitute asylum seekers are men. And, um, you know, we have entire programs running there that, that support the homeless as well. So we are about um, equipping anyone in poverty and, and making sure that people have that opportunity to reach their potential. But, but certainly when we started, you know, that was, that was a real big driver was seeing women valued in their decision to raise children and, and making sure they don't get lost in this digital revolution. And, um, you know, as the wealth gap gets bigger, that we don't lose sight of what value these people are adding to our society. So yeah, there's some, there's some feminist, I'd say yes, please. feminist undertones indeed. I know it doesn't really bode well that we're both, that I'm a female as well. <laughs> But um, no, okay. Can... Let's embrace it. It's okay. <laughs> but but this is it. I think um, like you say, like it's it's long term, like a long term domino effect. And I think uh, there's a lot of people talking now. You know, oh, like tech is gonna, technology is gonna take away jobs and, and everything's gonna be automated. But I think mm -hmm. things like Esther um and even like your ideals and stuff show that no, like there's gonna be plenty more jobs in the digital revolution. It's gonna create more jobs than it's gonna destroy. Really. Yeah. Um, and if you have an idea, like your idea, you know, you can digitalize it. So, <laughs> and, and also just shout it by the way, because I know Eilish had a wee baby there as well. Did, she did. Yeah, Eilish, I think little Eleanor now is, I want to say two weeks old, almost two weeks old. So she had a baby girl and she's parked up, you know, she's taken six months maternity leave, if not more. Um, and she's just really enjoying being a new mommy and enjoying nursing her little newborn so yes congratulations to Eilish. I know because we were talking about, about women having children there I was like oh, we can't not mention it. <laughs> I know exactly yeah she's taking her maternity leave well earned break. I know exactly how did you and Eilish actually um come about meeting and, and putting together Esther? You know it's crazy um so I tortured Seamus Cushley who um is in Bizarre Voice right now um so uh, Seamus did work with PwC and he kind of did a lot of presentation work and a lot of um, startup work in the blockchain area. And so I just tortured him, you know, to get, you know, what book should I read on this and what are resources, what web, um, what, you know, what YouTube channel should I follow to learn more about this new tech. And, and so he kind of mentored me a little bit in the early stages of, of Esther and still does. Um, but like looked at white papers that I'd written and kind of gave me some guidance there and then introduced me to Eilish. I think because I was torturing him, he was like, yeah, go torture this girl, you know, <laughs> take all that creative energy and focus it over here. So <laughs> he introduced me to Eilish because she is, um, she's an administrator. She's an organizer. She's a very talented product manager. Uh, she's very gifted, you know, kind of technical strategist is what I would call her. Um, 
and she just really complements my kind of visionary skill set quite well. I'm, you know, I'm a marketer, I'm a communicator, I'm a visionary. And um, Eilish, you know, she's, she's one of those people that, you know, she'll take that high level vision and then make it a reality. So she's, she's incredible. And what happened was uh, Seamus introduced us. So he was like, look, you should meet Eilish. She's a par, powerhouse, you know, um, and, and, you know, the two of you getting together could really make this happen. And so he made that introduction. We met for coffee and we were on the co-founders program with Catalyst who, um, and Sonia Kerr is, you know, is the amazing leader of that initiative. And honestly, we just hit it off. Like we just got on like a house on fire. We still do. She's incredible at what she does. And, you know, I call her the boss. Like she keeps me in line. <laughs> <laughs> she um I call her the, the Trello witch. She's a stickler for task, you know, uh administration. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. Like she's uh she talks about Trello discipline, you know, she keeps me she keeps me in line. So no, she's she's absolutely brilliant. And um I think together we've we've kind of pushed through an awful lot of work and gotten to where we're we're getting to. Do you know what we have Trello as well at Sync and I actually had never used it before and it is so satisfying when you do finish a task and you get it completed you're like yeah <laughs> I know it's the best I know but I think that's you know she she loves to control the Trello board it's, it's what she's great at I know, so if anyone out there listening hasn't heard of Trello or got Trello you know it's 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 you can get a paid version can't you but it's it's free for the most part for the basic it it's just a really good collaborative work tool and um it's very satisfying getting things done yeah get on it for organization um giving trello a plug there not, not I know, absolutely <laughs> um so i know obviously uh esther had big plans before coronavirus and no one could have yeah. seen coronavirus and i know you guys are, are really busy as well during it what what are what exactly have you been doing through COVID 19 and you know what were your plans? Because I know you guys had a lot of plans for International Women's Day and yeah. in New York, sort of like just around yeah. before this all hit. So what what's being disrupted? Right. So we we kind of had a lot a lot of marketing events coming up, a lot of speaking events coming up before COVID, and then you know there was lockdown. You know, at that point, we sort of thought, right, things might be quiet for us because we can't get out there and kind of do as much marketing as we as we want to. But we had just launched. Um, the Empowering Women's Initiative on International Women's Day. And I think I had just come from a Danska event, um, you know, on International Women's Day, kind of chatting to the staff there about the initiative we were launching. And then it was like a week or so later that, um, you know, we, we closed up shop and everyone was in lockdown. So we had just begun to kind of rally that. But what happened when the lockdown happened was that, you know, obviously then there were a lot of people losing jobs and, um we kind of were able to pivot slightly into allowing organizations to use the platform um, to to help get donations out to people. So one of the things, you know, that that we've been doing is just kind of asking organizations like how can we help you and um, get donations remotely out to to people in need. So it's it's been an interesting season for us. I think we've um there's been opportunity there's been some things we've had to pull back on um but ultimately through it all the you know the empowering women's program it's 80 percent filled right now so we have 80 percent of the committed monthly donations to um you know to empower these these young families and so you know what happened was they were struggling 
um, already and then COVID happened uh, and then you know their their monthly food budget increased because the kids weren't in school any little jobs they had were now non-existent and they went from being in a difficult position to being in a completely impossible situation so um I think people gave, you know, were able to give to that, which was wonderful. And we're still taking on monthly donors. You can put in two pounds, five pounds, 50 pounds a month um, to support these families in our city. So that's still ongoing. If you want to be involved in giving directly to women in need or um, we're, we're extending our homeless program as well. If, if your heart is for you know people on our streets, you can go to esther.org.uk and, um, you know, and kind of sign up there, you, you will get a recipient profile. So if you sign up straight away through your email, you'll get an idea of the person that you're donating to. It will be a real person. Um, the name will be anonymized, but the details within that bio will be uh, real, registered by one of our partner charities. Um, and so you get a little update every month as to how that person is is being helped with your money. So say you give 20 pounds a month to, um, Leah and her, you know, four children who are living in a terraced, um, you know, accommodation with no back garden. And you'll understand how your money is helping that family. And it's one of the feedbacks we're getting, one of the pieces of feedback from our donors is they really get that sense of connection. Um, you know, the, the first updates from the program went out about a week ago. And one of the stories was um, one of the ladies on the platform had never really allowed anybody into her home because her living room just really wasn't fit. She was just ashamed really, I suppose, of the, the walls needed painted and, and there was paint flaking off the radiators and it was an old sofa and she just didn't want to have anybody in for coffee. Um, and the first money that she got onto her Esther card, she spent some of it on extra groceries and then she bought paint and um, she was able to paint her living room. And so she was just telling the charity worker how much difference this made to her well-being her mental health that she could have someone over for coffee and um because she felt like her home was in a better state and then she was able to say you know if this money continues next month i'm gonna um buy my son a bed because her youngest son was sleeping in her her bed because she didn't have money to to buy a single bed for her youngest child so you know, and you just get this sense of this journey of this family that this young mother is now thinking, how can I improve my life and the life of my family? And she's starting to get this vision of improving her home and improving. Uh, another thing she said, which was amazing to me, was that she smokes rollies. You know, she smokes those cigarettes yeah. roll up. And she was saying to the charity worker, like, I cannot believe that people in my city are actually, you know, they're, they're giving me money. Like, and, and I want to quit smoking because I feel so... Uh, I feel so bad buying cigarettes. <laughs> even if, even if it was out of her own pocket, she was buying um, the cigarettes. It wasn't from her Astrocard, but she wanted to quit smoking. And you kind of get this early indication of mental health markers and poverty markers being reduced, you know, uh, wanting to improve her health, wanting to improve her home, um, and just getting a sense of, you know, being more connected, having someone over for a cup of tea uh, instead of being ashamed of the state her house was in. So it just, it was just amazing for us to kind of sit back and recognize that okay yes we're you know we're pushing for investment right now we're we're on a tech accelerator we're trying to keep cash flow going in the business but also we're getting these incredible stories of people in the city who are just being amazingly impacted so it's been very satisfying to hear you know these early stories coming through from some of the women on the platform so yes get involved 
we'd love to have you be a part of this um and you can sign up at esther.org.uk yeah it's things like that as well as your crayon <laughs> <laughs> i know i i just i love it i just can't get enough of it yeah it's it's things that you kind of take for granted every day and you don't think because i think when you think of and and i know um Carol, quite a lot you would say you wouldn't really use the word poverty as much it's always sort of people in need because that mm. is you know people there is like you said there's this real separation in wealth in the city and you know you yeah. see a homeless person in the street and people just sort of walk past them now and it's like it's not in human nature to ignore that um but that's the way society's become now and there's almost like it's it's an us and them sort of thing but when you hear stories like that it's not just oh people that just can't afford to eat it it's people that have have real men like mental health issues yeah because we all like you know like everyone wants to have like a nice presentable tidy home and you know it could be homeless people in the street but there's people living in poverty you know like your next door neighbor could be struggling yeah. and you wouldn't even know i think that's it Nave. And, and so much of what we've discovered is that poverty is hidden because of this sense of shame um so you know, and there's there's a really healthy degree of pride there that people don't, you know, they want to do well for themselves and, you know, yeah, there, a lot of it is hidden. And I think that's something that we've heard recently as well, that it's great that, that there can be a platform like this that can connect us to people in need, but it's anonymous. Mm -hmm. You know, you could get on the glider and there's a young mum there with her children and the children look really well turned out with you know lovely clips in their hair and the prams perfect and everything else, but you don't know what that family is going through and potentially they don't have enough money to buy food for the rest of the week you know um it was one of the girls in the propel program she's running a covid19 response initiative at covid19 what's it called sarah scullion anyway mm -hmm. uh, um but what she is doing is she's basically connecting volunteers to people in need in the community and we're chatting about using Esther potentially to, to connect people in need uh, financially as well. But the what's happening is the kids are actually communicating with the schools. So they, they communicate with their teachers via this little app called Seesaw. Mm -hmm. And some of the children are saying to their teachers, we don't have any food. Um, and so we're beginning to see food poverty you know crop up all over the city all over northern ireland you know all over different cities in the uk and um, because maybe what stockpile people had are now running out and so um yeah there's there's just a lot of hidden poverty and a lot of shame attached to it so you know making sure that what we do is very dignified and very empowering for people in need you know is, is really really important to us that you know a lady or or a guy who's on the streets has that dignity of going in with their Esther card and purchasing their own clothes. Uh, one of our uh, homeless programs, there was a great story about a guy who had been on the streets for a long time and had only ever worn secondhand clothes, you know, for very, maybe 10 years. And so he was able to go and walk into Primark and buy himself a new pair of jeans and a pair of shoes. Um, and he said that he then went got changed in hostel and then went and had a coffee and he said he he just all of a sudden he felt like a part of society again there's just something so simple um that can be so incredibly powerful at the same time yeah it, it is so nice um and obviously this is is esther only available in belfast at the minute for people you know looking to sign up we're working on a London pilot with a couple of homeless charities in London and we're also talking to some organizations in Glasgow and um, so we are looking to to branch out so we're just beginning that but at the moment we're really focusing on Belfast and um, I would say 
probably in September we'll get London up and going and maybe another couple of cities in in the UK as well so watch this space um that's the plan yeah and as well you were in New York were were there plans there to even expand as far as the US yeah we're chatting to different cities in the US at the moment um we you know we have to be really mindful that Ailish is off maternity leave and it's me and uh, Rick Johnson he's doing our operation so and then you know some volunteers are helping out as well but uh, we're trying to figure out you know, where can we get the most traction uh, so we've been chatting to Denver, Colorado, chatting to people in New York and um, looking to to see if we can branch out there as well so there's just tons of opportunity Maeve it's like you know if we had investment behind us right now and that's kind of why we're on the accelerator is we're focusing on, on getting revenue into this business getting cash flow into this business and um, so that we can branch out and expand as quickly as we can because um there's no shortage of opportunity right now to connect people and i think there's something about what's happening in society with covid um communities want to come together in a new way and, and people want to feel connected to you know to helping each other and it's been i think one of the silver linings of this it's, it's an absolutely tragic disease that, that's hitting us but you know this feeling of wanting to be connected and really valuing community is is one of the things that we've really noticed that has been um really lovely to watch so watch this space yes we're chatting to new york and, and different cities in the us um uh, and as well looking to branch out into the uk what sort of feedback as well then carol because obviously you know i know you've gotten so much feedback from recipients do, yeah. do you ever actually meet like did you meet that that woman and that guy you were talking about or is it the charity sort of feeds yeah. stories do you yeah we we do get to to chat to some of the recipients um by you know when we drop the cards off to the charity they'll be you know they'll be in the in the charity environment and things like that um but it's mainly through the the charity workers the case workers mm-hmm. um the case workers are the unsung heroes in all of this you know i'm i'm doing a podcast with you and 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 chatting to people in new york and and being on an accelerator but but honestly, it's um, you know it's the people who have the daily relationships with with the guys and the nooks and crannies of society. They're the unsung heroes here, and I want to give a lot of credit back to those guys. Um, one of the ladies from the the, the walk-in organisation is, you know, she watches these families over years, and and she gets to know them really well, and um, you know, and that's where the relationship comes in. And I think as well, there's a lot of trust there between the recipients and the charity workers. Um, and so we don't get too involved. Uh, we, we do what we do best, which is connection, storytelling, technology, um, making sure it's done really well, the whole organization being governed well. And we focus on efficiency and impact. And, and then we really empower the charity to do what the charity does best, which is community and relationship and soft services. And one of our big big brand values is that look, money doesn't solve problems. Communities do. Mm-hmm. Um, people need money to live on. They need more money to live on, I think, than they, they have done in the past 20 years. Um, but also, these families need to stay connected in soft service environments, you know, and, and we don't ever impart anyone in isolation. They have to be homed by a registered charity and they have to be connected to a caseworker because you know, whilst we can give Leah and her kids extra income for groceries and to get our house together, it's that relationship with um, the caseworker, the charity worker, where 
you know, the charity work will say, right, brilliant. Like, what's your next goal? You know, what is it you want to achieve in the next year? Do you want to take on a budgeting class or, you know, do some cooking skills or potentially even, you know, do a little bit of upskilling um, and take on a, on a job at some point? And so we, you know, it's not, people look at Esther and think, oh, you're disrupting the charity space. We're 100% not. We are working to release these guys to do what they do best and, and to really empower people um, both financially and to work their way through the soft services and really pull, their, pull, pull themselves up into a better place. It's definitely not a handout. It's definitely, um, it's definitely empowerment and you know, giving people that vision as to where, where do they want their lives to go. So the charity workers are, are hugely important in this whole ecosystem. Definitely, and um, like just what you're saying as well, in terms of money doesn't solve problems, you know, communities mm -hmm. do. I think as mm -hmm. well, from the mental health, because you know, it's Mental Health Awareness Week, from that aspect of, like you said before, knowing that someone in your city is willing to, you know, give you money and help you out. And it's that sort of yeah. sense of closeness that can really, yeah. if you're just giving money, like a handout, like you said, from, from any old charity, it, it still might not help the actual mental health aspect, but just knowing that there's a bit of a, a sense of closeness or a mm -hmm. sense of care there can really, help people's well-being. I know, and you're absolutely right. It's something that we've been chatting about recently is that um, it was one of the homeless guys that was talking about it. He was like, you know, I feel like people are championing me, you know, um, and uh, he was saying uh, just exactly that, that he couldn't believe that, it, this, that this was people giving their own money directly to him, knowing a little bit about who he was, you know, because he's a He's an asylum seeker, so he's, uh, you know, he's not from here. And so he, he kind of feels like completely segregated from society and um, just that people don't want him and that he's kind of the lowest of the low. Uh, and it, it was something that he came back and said to the charity workers, I feel valued, um, I feel seen and I feel supported and I feel like people are cheering me on. And and that was something that, that we just thought was amazing that his sense of value increased dramatically by by the sense of being supported by people within Belfast um, and it, it was the same with um, that the story that came back um, from this this young mom who you know was painting her living room and trying to give up smoking after one month of receiving donations uh, and she's saying the same thing like I just cannot believe that people are supporting me and that they believe in me and that you know, and I think that was the trigger for her then to say, like, I really want to improve my life. I'm going to try and cut down on, on the cigarettes. And, you know, I just thought that was incredible. Like, and, and these are the sort of things that we're actually talking to Queens at the minute, try and get a, a researcher on board, um, potentially a PhD student who might help us with this mental health research that when we empower people with this dignity um, and when we give them trust, like we're going to give you money. Yes, there's some restrictions around that for um, so that it doesn't trigger an addiction or it's not taken off the, the family and spent on gambling. You know, there's some degree of protection there. But essentially, you're giving someone money and you're saying, we trust you and we believe in you and we know you want to make a better life for yourself and your kids. You know, go do it. Uh, and that, there's something really powerful about that. Yeah. And what, what is the sort of feedback you've been receiving then from donors? You know, because like you said, like people, because if people, you know, said donated a pound or a tenner, before yeah. the stories and then there's this sort of it's up in the air they don't know where it goes um yeah. and then i know obviously in the past there can be sort of corruption as well there people don't realize exactly you know like 80 percent of their money is is actually going to a worker and, and all that yeah. so what's the sort of feedback that you're getting from the people actually yeah. 
Well, I think they they really value the sense of connection with somebody local um, and someone that that is validated to being a need you know um one of the things that particular we do donor, donor interviews every month so you may well be rang up at some point beware but um, <laughs> it's one of those things that um Eilish does a lot of the donor research but we do chat to them regularly and it's that feeling of trust you know um because of the way the platform works we operate a very very lean um business so we work entirely off the gift aid with these donations so if you put in a pound um, it goes into Esther Giving Limited, which is a registered charity. We claim gift aid on that pound if you're a UK taxpayer. And 20, you know, so we claim 25p on top of that pound. And then that 25p is um, a taxable sale into our fintech company. And that's how we operate. So um, 100% of your pound goes to the recipient and we work off the gift aid. So um, and then there's the, the relationship that sort of forms and develops on a, on a monthly basis. You get a little snippet. It might only be one sentence about how this person is doing. You know, um, Leah's had a great month. She painted her, her, you know, her living room and she's able to have people over for coffee. Or, it, you know, and it's very authentic if she's had a very bad month because, you know, she had a relationship that broke down. You know, you'll get a wee sense of that as well. So it's not that we just kind of spam you with good news stories. You, know, you you seem to develop you develop this relationship with the person you're supporting um and you get a sense of how they're working through the charity space and the soft services and potentially to get reskilled um and we're working on kind of a two-year program with some of the crisis work uh the covid crisis work and we're going to review it after six months but we're hoping for a two-year run for these families um potentially to be kept on after that if they're getting a lot of value out of this so it's long-term sustainable development work. It's about bringing communities together. And the donors really get that sense that, that this isn't just um, you know, a handout, that this is about long-term sustainable development and, and working cohesively as a city, as a nation, to empower people who are on the fringes. And, and say in terms of becoming a recipient, Carol, is it, um, would you have to be sort of partnered with that charity would you have to be someone that's yeah. receiving help from that charity to become a, an Esther recipient yeah so we don't take referrals directly to Esther um we work through the charity partners in that way so we're partnering with Gaffling Project Gaffling Project has I think 18 charity partners underneath them and so they are the referral network for us in Belfast at the moment um, we're also looking at other charity partnerships across the city uh, for extending our homeless program and so it would be our our charity network that um would then identify people in need and then they get registered onto the platform so there's a fair um a fair degree of validation work that that happens there you need they need to be within the charity space um, they need to be working through some type of soft services with the charity whether it's a, a cooking club or a homework club um, you know, or sort of, you know, working through counselling, whatever it is that they're doing. And then there has to be some goals in place. You know, what is it you want to achieve in your life? Where are the areas that you want to work on? Is it mental health? Is it just being able to cook for your children better? Um, you know, what is it you want to be? Maybe it's to be reskilled as a nail technician. Maybe you want to run your own business. And so we kind of get that sense of uh, what does success or what does progress or growth look like? There's not a lot of pressure. It doesn't feel overwhelming. It's a bit, you know, it's very relational. Um, 
uh, and the charity workers are gifted at what they do. So that's how the, the referral network really works. Perfect. Carol, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I just uh, thank you for, for having me, Neve. Like you guys have been so supportive at Sync NI and it's just, it's lovely to have the opportunity to kind of just, you know, shoot the breeze with you guys. That's it for this week's episode of Tech Crack. For all things tech and business in Northern Ireland, visit SyncNI.com. Have a good week.